Welcome to the 140th podcast and the 110th as a city on a hill church. The title of this Sunday morning message is New Beginnings. One thing that is very important for we Christians, we followers of Christ, is that indeed we are following Christ, that we are not only sensitive to his leading, but willing, even eager, to follow no matter where he leads or when. This morning, Pastor Mark shares from his heart where he sees the Lord leading him and our church, pointing out along the way those signposts that confirm we're on the right path. We all love to see the Lord at work, which means you'll all love this message. Here is Pastor Michael Clark. This this morning's service is going to be a bit unusual. Uh, I'm not grabbing a text from the scriptures and teaching a prepared expository sermon or topical study. Uh, I'm going to share some things personally from my heart with you this morning. Uh, if you're a visitor, I, I invite you to come back next Sunday. We'll be kind of back on our usual track of studying uh, through the Bible. And actually, next sun- Sunday is going to be a very interesting message. I've been, I've been studying this uh, sermon, preparing this sermon on when was Jesus actually born. And spoiler alert, Jesus was not born on December 25th. We don't know when he was born. I think we might have a pretty good idea of when he was born, and we'll look at that next week. But I can pretty much assure you he was not born on December 25th. So uh, you may want to come back next week to to hear the message because it's actually uh, pretty fascinating to tie Jesus' birth into the the feast days of Israel as Jesus uh, came and fulfilled all of the major uh, feast days, or he will fulfill the remaining uh, feast days at his second coming. So encourage you to come back for that uh, next week. I've entitled this message, New Beginnings. And if you would like to open up to Acts chapter 13, we're going to use this verse as kind of a springboard here. Acts chapter 13. And verse 1. Now, there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now this is a record of Paul the Apostle's first missionary journey. Paul went on to write, Uh, the majority of the New Testament epistles for us. Uh, This is kind of his send-off, his kickoff of his ministry, really, here in Acts chapter 13. And we see that as Paul the Apostle was was being sent out by the church, uh, they were seeking the Lord. The elders, the the pastors, the leaders, uh, they were seeking the Lord for God's leading. They were praying, they were fasting, they were waiting on, on God's leading. And when the church leaders got the answer from the Holy Spirit, uh, they sent Barnabas and Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, they sent them out. And really, they changed the world. Paul the Apostle changed the world. It's been said by even secular historians uh, that if, if you didn't have a Paul the Apostle, we wouldn't have the church that we have today throughout the world. I mean, he was critical in that time to getting the gospel out to the known Roman Empire and laid the seeds and, and laid the foundation for what became uh, uh, the, the Western church uh, throughout uh, North Africa, uh, throughout uh, Constantinople and, uh, and Greece and Turkey, and then out into 
uh, Europe. And then from Europe, the gospel spread all over the world. And so Paul and Barnabas, they went uh, out, sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down and they sailed and they went uh, in obedience to the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we have many examples of this in God's word where God calls people, he calls men, he calls women uh, to go and to serve him somewhere for his sovereign purpose. And as you read the Bible, you see this over and over again, just about in every single story of every Bible character. Uh, You know, we read our Bibles and it takes us, you know, an hour to sit and read the book of Acts. Well, the book of Acts actually took 30 years of time when you read the book of Acts. The book of Genesis took a couple of thousand years, and you could sit and read the book of Genesis in a couple of hours, uh, and it covers maybe 2,500 years or, or, or 3,000 or 4,000 years of human history uh, recorded for us. And so um, uh, for us, it's, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the time is, is lost when we read through the scriptures, because these are real people with real lives and real time past, and all we really see is the highlights of their life. Uh, and, and yet uh, God uh, does call and he does uh, lead his people to do his work. Abraham was called out of Babylon. He's the father of the faith, but he was called out of Babylon to Canaan, to the promised land. And Abraham became not only the father of the Jewish nation, Abraham became the father uh, of the Christian faith. Uh, we read about Abraham in in Hebrews chapter 11, as he was obedient to God, as God called him to leave his family, to leave his homeland, to leave his friends, to leave his neighbors, uh, to leave uh, everything he knew, his culture from Babylon, from the Ur of the Chaldees, and was called to go to a land that God was going to show him. He had no idea where he was going. Uh, this is 4,000 uh, 4, years ago, about 2,000 years before Christ. Abraham was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And in leaving all he knew to trust God, he became the father of the faith. And he became the one that we look to as an example of someone who was the friend of God and who trusted God. In Hebrews chapter 11, as a matter of fact, it is recorded for us there by the author of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 The author says this, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And so Abraham, I mean, he was a real man. This was a real hard choice for him when he left his family. As a matter of fact, he didn't leave right away. He waited until his father uh, died, even though he was supposed to leave right away. He, he couldn't leave uh, his dad, apparently. He waited until his dad passed away, and he didn't leave all of his family. He ended up taking his nephew Lot, and, uh, and, and you see kind of the, the problems that arose uh, because he wasn't in that obedient to God in taking his family with him. Uh, he was supposed to leave all of his family and, and, and relocate. Uh, but he did go. And in going, he became the father of the faith. And he is called the friend of God. Moses also was a man that God had called. And uh, Moses thought he was washed up. Uh, he had uh, been born with great promise. He was raised in the Pharaoh's household. He was actually being trained to take the throne uh, of Egypt, to be possibly one of the great pharaohs of Egypt. And when he realized that he was adopted, he was a Jew, he was a Hebrew. Uh, you remember his mother put him in the little basket and pushed him down the Nile River and the Pharaoh's daughter took him out and fell in love with him and adopted him as her own son. He became the grandson of the Pharaoh. And he was raised in the Pharaoh's household. But when he was older and he figured out that he was not Egyptian, that he was Jewish, he began to sympathize with his people because they were slaves in Egypt and they were badly treated. And he actually uh, killed an Egyptian soldier, which was a death sentence in that 
time. And uh, he had to flee for his life. The Pharaoh was going to kill him. And he ended up in the backside of the desert uh, over in the Sinai Peninsula and uh, basically managing goats. He was herding goats. And goats are pretty stubborn animals. Uh, Sheep are a little more obedient. Sheep are stupid, but they're pretty obedient. Uh, Goats are smart, and they're very stubborn and independent. And he was managing goats for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness. He thought he was done. He thought his career was over. He thought whatever promise that God had for him was, was finished. He blew it. He killed the Egyptian. He took matters into his own hands, and it didn't go well for him. And then God appears to him, and God calls him to be a deliverer for God's people Israel from the burning bush, as you know the story. And God spoke to him, and God called him and and, and told him, I am sending you to go into Egypt to be a deliverer, to be a rescuer, to be a redeemer, to be a savior of my people. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read this in verse 23 concerning Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn might not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Now, if you, if you read the story in Exodus, back in Exodus chapter 3, uh, you see that Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt. Moses really didn't want to do this. He was making excuses for why he, sh- he was the wrong guy. God, you've got the wrong guy, he was telling God. You've got the wrong guy, I'm not the right guy for this. I'm washed up. I'm a goat herder here on the backside of the desert, and uh, my best days are behind me. You know, he's 80 years old at this point. He thought he was finished. And God said, no, Moses, you are now ready for the work which I have called you to do. And Moses became the greatest man in Israel's history. To, To this day, the Jews revere Moses more than anyone else in their history because he was the great lawgiver. Uh, He was the man who was the most humble man, the scripture says, who ever lived. And he was the one who stood up to the Pharaoh, the king of the known world, to bring the ten plagues down upon Egypt, call the ten plagues down upon Egypt, so that they would set my people free, set God's people free to come to the promised land. So you have these examples of God using ordinary people, just like you and me, sinners who are saved by grace, Sinners who are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are equipped by the Word of God to go out and to do God's work. And so we always have to be aware of that. We always have to be aware that that's how God works. It is certainly uh, scary, uh, no doubt. Uh, People have their insecurities. They have their uncertainties about the future, about what's going to happen next. You you think about Moses and the fears that he would have had, Abraham, the concerns that he would have had, even uh, Paul the Apostle and Barnabas. Uh, No guarantee of where you're going to live, where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to do for food and shelter and clothing. It's all faith. It's trusting the Lord uh, when you step out and let him Uh, open the doors for you, and then you walk through those doors. I'm sure they were afraid of letting go of what they had, uh, letting go of where they were, and, and going into the uncertainty of the unknown, leaving the comforts and the stability Uh, of home of what they knew to go into the unknown it's always a risk when you trade the known for the unknown change always involves an element of risk but sometimes uh, not changing also brings its own element of risk if we just keep everything the same always the same uniform and static at times that becomes a risky decision 
as well. Uh, sometimes not making a decision is the wrong decision. And so, you know, we have to be led of the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if we just stay and we uh, begin to become uh, sedentary and we begin to atrophy, ultimately, if, if a body just stays in one place in a bed, it, that body will die. You know, you have to get up and you have to move. And so we know that there's risks with leaving, there's risks with staying, there's, there's risks uh, with every decision that is made or a decision uh, that is not made. Indecision also uh, is a risk. The greatest risk, really, guys, for the child of God is to be out of God's will. That's the greatest risk and the thing that I fear the most uh, is to be out of God's will. That's the worst place for any Christian to be. And God has a plan for every single one of us to be in his will. And uh, his will is his perfect plan for you and for me. That's his best, his perfect will for our lives. And the greatest risk to the Christian is to be outside of, to remove yourself from, or to not go forward into the perfect will of God for your life. Paul and Barnabas were called by God. They were equipped by God. They were sent out by their church. And they were willing to go to where God was calling them. And they changed the world as a result. Abraham was called by God. Abraham obeyed, although albeit slowly at first, but he eventually obeyed and he ended up uh, going into the promised land as a sojourner, living in tents, being the father of the faith. And as a result of Abraham's obedience, the nation of Israel and from Israel, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was born. Moses was called by God. Moses thought he was washed up. He didn't think God could use him. And yet God used him to do the greatest miracles and the greatest work of God and his power demonstrated on the earth out of any man besides Jesus Christ, who is the God-man in human history. Uh, Moses changed the course of history by his obedience to God's call upon his life. He saved his nation. Certainly the uh, Israelites would have been annihilated in, in Egypt. They were, there was a genocide that was taking place of killing all the baby boys. Once all the baby boys of the Israelites were killed, of the Hebrews were killed in Egypt, all you would have left would be the girls. The girls would grow up. They would marry Egyptian men. They would have Egyptian children. And that would have been the end of the nation of Israel in its infancy before it really even uh, got started. And so Moses was called, Moses was sent by God, Moses obeyed the Lord, and the nation of Israel was saved from extinction. So there are, there are huge risks in not going, in other words. So we see these examples. These men were called to go. There was great risks in them not going. Uh, and yet they went. And so we have their great stories. They're heroes of ours, fathers of our faith and, and heroes of the faith. Now, my story, God called me here to Tehachapi in April of 2004. I've been here for almost 16 years, 15 and a half years. Um, I was uh, a young father, young stockbroker, uh, working for Edward Jones in Santa Maria. Uh, I was also, uh, I was an investment advisor there. I was uh, uh, serving at a Calvary Chapel in Guadalupe, little church in Guadalupe, primarily a Hispanic town. Uh, and uh, the church was booming. I was an elder in the church. I was uh, studying to be a pastor. Uh, I was the treasurer of the church at the time. I was on their board, their corporate board. Uh, I had taught Sunday school with the kids. I was a youth pastor for a time there. I'd pretty much, you know, I threw the trash, ran the vacuum cleaner. I pretty much did everything in that church that needed to be done. Uh, I was the one who would fill in for the pastor when he would be out of town or he would be sick or he would be gone. I would be the person that would teach for him from uh, the pulpit. Everything was going great except my job I was struggling at. I was struggling to make ends meet. I was, I was doing well for my company. They were happy with me. But with a growing family, I was struggling to pay my bills. And uh, my wife had uh, stayed home with the kids, and so we were living off of my income exclusively, and it was very, very difficult. There was an opportunity that came my way that God opened a door 
to work at an established, very well-established brokerage office in Lancaster for Edward Jones. And um, initially, when the position was offered to me, I knew it would change things financially for me. I knew it would be a better situation for me and my family. But I also knew that I would have to walk away from uh, my church family and walk away from the ministry that I was a part of. I was an integral, uh, a part of this ministry in Guadalupe. And yet, um, the Lord made it abundantly clear to me that this was His calling. Now, my pastor fought me on it. He didn't want me to leave. He actually, he actually preached a sermon uh, from the pulpit, which I don't do this, by the way, but he preached a sermon trying to manipulate me through the sermon, you know, to stay. And, uh, and, and, and yet, I knew it was God calling me to come here. I didn't, know, I didn't know about you. I didn't know about this church. I didn't know that I would plant two churches in this town. I had no idea. I was moving to Lancaster. Actually, I was moving here, commuting to Lancaster to run a $30 million business is what I was doing. And, uh, and that's what I did. I moved to Tehachapi. I moved my family here. Uh, my company paid to pack us and move us and you know, gave us uh, money to rent a place and so forth. And I went from making you know, three or $4,000 a month to making ten to $15,000 a month almost overnight at the job uh, that I took over in Lancaster. And the pastor, the very pastor, bless his heart, Pastor Ruben, who was trying to you know, twist my arm to keep me there in uh, Guadalupe, all of a sudden said, hey, maybe God sent you to Tehachapi to plant the church. And then he became my biggest supporter in starting what became Calvary Chapel of Tehachapi. Uh, he supported me in, in, in starting a home Bible study up here. Uh, we were driving to Lancaster. I was working in Lancaster. We were living in Stallion Springs. And then I was driving to Lancaster every Sunday for church to Calvary Chapel uh, of the Antelope Valley. And uh, God opened a door here uh, for me to start a Bible study here in Tehachapi. Eventually that Bible study grew and it became uh, Calvary Chapel of Tehachapi. And within five years, I walked away from the brokerage business. I walked away from uh, my, my license as a stockbroker to be a full-time pastor. So the Lord called, the Lord led, the Lord confirmed, the Lord blessed. It was scary, it was risky, it was, I was unsure at the time of what I was supposed to do, but I felt like God was calling me to come to Tehachapi. And, you know, when you pray for the Lord to lead you, he will lead you, if you're really actually sincere. A lot of times, the way the Lord leads you, it's not what you want. Oftentimes, it involves great risk, and it's something that you, you actually have to step out in faith, and you can't really lean upon other people, not even your own abilities and talents. It's, it's a scary thing to step out in faith, and oftentimes, it's not what you want to do. It's almost like it's what you have to do or what you're supposed to do. And you know this. You guys are grown-ups. You've lived life. You understand what I'm saying. Many times it's not your desires that God is just giving you. Lord, I want this. Here's my wish list. And then God you know, gives you everything. That's not usually how God works. Sometimes God gives us our wish list. But oftentimes uh, we have to wrestle through these decisions. And then uh, we pray. I always pray, Lord... Uh, if this is your will, open the door and don't let anyone shut it. Leave it open. If it's not your will, slam the door shut so I don't make a mistake and I don't go uh, out of your will. Because again, my biggest fear uh, as a Christian and as a pastor is to be out of God's will. After living here in Tehachapi and loving uh, Tehachapi for more than 15 years, planting and pastoring, two churches, planting two churches from scratch in this town. And this is a tough town to start a church in, if you haven't figured that out. Uh, you know, Tehachapi's a tough crowd, and uh, it's a tough neighborhood. There, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, division in the churches in Tehachapi. Half the churches in Tehachapi are, are the result of a church split from another church in Tehachapi. Uh, and, and that's actually true. And so there's just a lot of, you know, there, there's not a lot of cohesion within the body of Christ in this town. And you know this. Uh, so 
it's, an, it's been an honor that the Lord has called me to plant and pastor two churches, not one, but two churches here in Tatchby, Calvary Chapel of Tatchby out on Highline, and then uh, this church, a city on a hill church. At this point, guys, God is once again calling me to move. I have been offered a full-time paid staff position as the assistant pastor and church administrator at Calvary Chapel of Visalia. After praying and waiting on the Lord, we've been praying, the pastor and I and my leadership team here and their elders and pastors there and board members have been meeting and praying and waiting on the Lord, seeking godly counsel. Uh, I've been seeking counsel from numerous, a multitude of godly uh, men and women. And the Lord has made it very clear to me that this is his will for my life at this time. Not my plan. I didn't go looking for this. The senior pastor called me and said, I want you to consider coming down here and becoming my assistant pastor. My assistant is retiring in February after 30 years. He says, I'm almost 73 years old. And the Lord has put you clearly on my heart to come down here and to help me at this stage of our ministry. And my initial response, you know what my initial response was? No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm happy here. I've got a great church family. We just kind of got our church up and going. Our church is doing well. Um, You know, I I love my job. I work for the county supervisor, Zach Scrivener, who's a godly Christian man and a good friend of mine. I have a great position. I'm with the, the mayor and the city council and the police chief and all of the business leaders of East Kern County. That's what I do during the week. That's my weekday job, working for the county. Uh, and, and I love my job, I love my church, I love my home, and my dog is happy, he's in his backyard, and, you know, life is good. And, and, and so I really had no interest in this opportunity. But he told me, I'm not looking for, this is a couple months ago, he called me, he says, I'm not looking for an answer, I just want you to pray. And what am I supposed to say? I'm a pastor. What am I no, I'm not going to pray, you know. Of course I said, I'll pray. Okay, I'll pray about it. But my answer is probably going to be no. And as I prayed and as I began to talk to my men in leadership here in the church and some of the ladies here that uh, are here in the church as well in leadership, um, it began to become clear to me that maybe this was a door that the Lord was opening for me. Um, Everybody I talk to up here, everyone to all of your credit, each one of you individually told me, man, pastor, this sounds like a great opportunity. This sounds like an open door from the Lord for you. You should really consider uh, uh, taking this position that they're offering you. Um, This has been uh, probably one of the most difficult decisions that I've ever had to make. Because for me, I am going into the complete and total unknown and the uncertainty of going somewhere new where I really don't hardly know anyone uh, and leaving everyone and everything that I do know. And many of you know my story. You know what I've just been through. Uh, It's a huge um, risk for me to leave all of you to go somewhere else and start over again. But... Again, my greatest fear is being out of God's will. If, if I were to say no, and this was what God called me to do, it wouldn't be good for you either, because that would, that would mean I would be disobedient as a pastor. I would be out of God's will, and that wouldn't be good for the church here. And so um, it's, it's with a heavy heart, yet with a joyful heart, that I share this news with you this morning. I know this is a shock for some of you. I've tried to reach out to as many of you as I can, so this is not a complete shock to everybody. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't uh, announce this. I I, I made this decision a couple weeks ago. Um, I couldn't announce it until they announced it up at their church. Their church is a much larger church in Visalia, and they had to make sure that that their church, uh, you know, understood what was happening before this information leaked out. I'm going to be starting out there on February 1st, so I'll be here through February 1st, and we're not shutting the church down. You don't have to worry about that. This church is very healthy. We have wonderful people, and and I'll share with you later how we're going to make sure that a City on a Hill church continues to grow and thrive. Who knows? Maybe the church will explode once I leave. 
Uh, someone else will come into this church will be busting at the seams. Wouldn't surprise me, actually. Uh, but um, Pastor Bob is, is, Bob Grenier is a dear and trusted friend of mine. I've known him for many years. And, um, and, and he has been especially close to me the last two and a half, three years. And again, I've been through some very uh, serious uh, uh, challenges in my life personally. And um, he has been a pastor that has been there in my corner from day one, as many of you have here in this, in this church. Um, but he was the one who encouraged me as a senior pastor of a large church, one of the original pastors from Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. He started out there in 1977. He's the one that encouraged me to get back on the horse, to get back into ministry, to not... Because I was, I was considering, after a sabbatical, stepping down from the pastorate at, at uh, Calvary Chapel, I was considering of going back into banking, going back into finance. I was good at it. Uh, I did well at it before, and I could make a lot of money. Um, but he was telling me, you know, God's calling, as many of you also have told me this, God's calling is irrevocable. The gifts of, uh, of God are, are, are irrevocable. The gifts and calling of God. He doesn't change his mind. And so if God has called you into the ministry and gifted you as a pastor teacher, he told me, then that is what you're supposed to do. Even though you don't have a church, you don't have a congregation, you don't have a building, you don't have a flock. <clears throat> he says, I'm going to support you in starting another church up there in Tehachapi. And so he uh, became our, le- our church leader for our little fledgling Bible study. First started as a prayer group, then as a home Bible study. Then we moved the Bible study to the Christian bookstore. Uh, and then from the Christian bookstore, we stepped out in faith and we, we rented this building almost two years ago. And, and they were our covering church. Calvary Chapel of Isalia has cleared all of our uh, taxes and dealt with the IRS for us and sent out the year-end giving statements so that you get credit for your donations. And uh, basically, they became our parent church and we became kind of like uh, uh, you know an extension or an outreach of Calvary Chapel of Visalia so it, it's it's because uh, of of who he is to me and our relationship and our friendship and he's asking me for help guys I'm a lot younger than he is he's getting older he's thinking about his own retirement his own mortality he's not going to be around forever either and, um, and, and he has asked me to come down and help him to navigate through these changes, major changes that are taking place in their 42-year-old church. They have a church that seats 750 in their main sanctuary. They have a restaurant and a kitchen inside their church. It's a 14-acre beautiful campus, almost like going to a retreat center uh, when you drive onto their campus. I, they've probably spent $6 million dollars over the last 40 years on this property it is gorgeous it's beautiful it's everything is in place they have you know dozens of uh, of people that are uh serving there many of them uh, on staff and uh and so it's 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 a big honor that he would think of me to come down there and to help him uh to to manage his church and to to serve the lord there with him um there are many here today, and I, I, I don't really want to uh, start naming names because it's, it, it's, it's, it, this is difficult enough for me. But, um, you know, some of you were there from the very beginning uh, uh, of this church plant. And, and to you, I give an extra special thanks, Brian and Sandy. Uh, we started this church as a Bible study, uh, actually as a prayer group in their house. And uh, Madeline was there with us and uh, uh, Cheryl had been there a couple of times for our Bible study. Virginia, uh, Bill Critlow had been there, uh, ready to get me back on the radio and back on the internet as soon as he could. And you know, he 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 would follow me around with his phone to record me whenever I'd speak. So I try to put it up on a podcast. And now we have a hundred and some odd podcasts online as a result of Bill Critlow's uh, believing in me and his support. Shirley Collins, who's not here, she was another one who. Who never gave up on, uh, never gave up on me. Believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself anymore. When I wasn't sure who I was, what I'm supposed to do with my life, where I'm supposed to go from here. Um, so, guys, this is this is a very difficult thing for me. I know that I look like this is easy for me, but that's because I've had two months to work through this, and I've had several weeks to prepare for this. 
And, and at this point, um, I am convinced it still takes faith to make a decision like this, but I'm convinced that this is God's will for my life and this is what God wants me to do. And just like God called me out of Calvary Chapel of Guadalupe to come plant two churches here in Tehachapi, which, praise the Lord, we've reached, you know, who knows how many tens of thousands of people on the radio through the work here in Tehachapi over the years and baptized hundreds and hundreds in Herman's swimming pool over there. Hundreds of people in your swimming pool, Herman. Uh, Led hundreds of people to Christ, you know, worked in Africa with orphanages and Pastor Osborne and uh, on and on. God's done great things here in 15 years into Hatchby since I've been here. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I obeyed God's call to leave Guadalupe, the beautiful central coast, to come up here to the rugged mountains, the difficult, windy, cold mountains from the beach. But God called me here, and I'm glad He did. And uh, I, 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 I want to thank all of you who have stepped up and and made this church a reality. And that's why this church is going to continue. Guys, the church is not, is not me. The church is you. I'm just one small part of the church. You all make this the body of Christ. I could be replaced. You may not think that, but I could be replaced by, by another pastor standing up here teaching the Bible, as long as he's a called man of God. And he's called to this work. And I believe that God is going to bring men or a man up here uh, to continue to make a City on a Hill church thrive and, and grow and expand. And, and, and again, it would not surprise me at all if this church explodes once I leave, only because it's God's plan. It's His will. And He works His will in mysterious ways, ways that we don't understand. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways, the Bible says. Their board voted uh, at Calvary Chapel of Visalia unanimously to hire me for this position. I'm not going to have to work another job. It's a full-time position with benefits. I haven't had medical benefits in a long time. Uh, I'm going to have medical and, and have a regular paycheck and have consistency, uh, which, is, which is a nice thing uh, for, for, for me to know that, that I can uh, get up every month and, and know where my money's going to come from and pay my bills because this has all been faith for me, guys. Starting a church is... is uh, you know, you don't get rich starting a church. You don't, sometimes you don't even pay your bills starting a church. And, and yet the Lord has provided and he has blessed. And uh, so I've accepted their offer. I accepted their offer on November 30th. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to start uh, February 1st. I'm still going to be your pastor. Until God calls someone else here, we are going to continue to work together. And as a matter of fact, at 11 o'clock uh, in about nine minutes, we are going to tune in through the TVs to a live video feed from Calvary Chapel Visalia, and you are going to watch. We are going to be able to participate in them making this announcement to their church because this is a big announcement for them as well. Their assistant pastor, who's been there for 30 years or so, is retiring, and that's a big shakeup for, for their church. Their senior pastor's going to be turning 73 uh, in this summer and uh, and so they have major changes taking place down there and they're they're trying to communicate with their church body God's in control we have we have people that God is calling and God is raising up and God is bringing in uh, to uh, continue to serve the Lord and continue to feed the sheep and so we're going to watch that here in just a few minutes um, so I'm, I'm still your pastor until, until God calls. So I, I planted this church. We planted this church. And so I'm not leaving you. I'm, you know, I'm not going to look at you disappearing in the rearview mirror as I drive away and wave like this and you get smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror. That's not what's happening here, guys. You're my family. You're my friends. Uh, and uh, that is not going to change. I own a house here. Uh, I'm probably going to be commuting for a while. Uh, they have a little apartment right there uh, in their church, in their church building. I've slept there before uh, and when I was on my sabbatical. And, uh, and so I'll probably be commuting and staying down there a couple nights a week and then staying here uh, at, at my house until I, I figure out what I'm going to do with my house here. But um, we, we are going to begin February 1st. We're going to start a new church service down there, a brand new church service that I'm going to teach on Friday nights. And I'm going to start through the book of Isaiah, Cheryl, Friday nights. 
and, uh, and that was a request that she had made a while ago. Um, and, and then we're going to have those videos to show you here on Sunday morning. Now, I know it's not a perfect solution. We're going to get a pastor here, God willing, very soon. They have pastors on staff there. They have a school of ministry. They're raising up pastors there. All have a part in training up pastors there. Uh, they have pastors that uh, are you know, wonderful Bible teachers on staff there already who can come up here and who can cover the pulpit on Sunday mornings. And so whether or not I'm here, whether or not you're watching me on these TVs on Sunday mornings, um, you, I am still your pastor until God raises somebody else up. This is still our church. You are just now going to be an extension in a real way of Calvary Chapel of Visalia. And I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of benefit to a city on a hill church to be tied into a well-established 42-year-old church that uh, has a lot more resources available to them than we have here as a one-and-a-half, two-year-old church in Tehachapi. So, um, you know, guys, I, 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 I could die tomorrow so could you i could get hit by a bus and then you wouldn't have me here i could die of a heart attack and you wouldn't have me so uh god's god's bigger than than all of this and and this church is not about me it's about the lord it's about jesus jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will prevail against it it's not my church this isn't my church it's Christ's church he died on the cross to buy this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so we trust the Lord that he is going to continue to do a marvelous work here at a city on a hill church. I will invite you all to come to, uh, to visit down there when I'm down there. I, again, after February 1st and to take you on a tour of the campus. It is the most beautiful church sanctuary building and campus that I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of churches over the years. It really is like going to a retreat. It's surrounded by walnut groves. Uh, it's, you know, pine trees and grass lawns. So as you pull in, you feel like you're pulling into like a retreat or a college campus somewhere. It's beautiful. The sanctuary is, I don't know how many tens of thousands of square feet. Like I said, the, the main sanctuary seats 750. Uh, it's a church of about 300 right now. At one point, they had 1,000 adults attending that church about 15 years ago. So it has tremendous uh, potential. I ask you to please uh, pray for me and for my move and um, uh, pray for our churches to unite. Uh, pray against any division, any gossip, any you know, uh, uh, negativity because that's not of the Lord at this, at this point. This is all a positive thing, guys. Again, we all want to be in God's will. If I'm not in God's will, it's not good for, for, for any of us. Just like it's not good for, for you if you're not in God's will. So if we're all in God's will, the Lord is going to bless. And uh, whether, whether we become a satellite church, the city on a hill becomes a satellite church of Calvary Chapel of Isalia, or God raises up a, another man here. You know, and if God raises up another man, you're not going to miss me anymore. You're going to say, yeah, we love you, Mike, but we're, we're, we're glad you're in Visalia. We're going to keep this guy here. Uh, and, and, and you laugh, but you watch. If, if, if that's what God's going to do, it's going to be perfect, and you guys are going to be uh, totally blessed by whoever God calls here. Um, it's been an honor to be your under-shepherd. It's been an honor uh, to serve and to feed the sheep here and to love the sheep. Pastor Chuck Smith, who was my pastor, this is where I close, uh, said, you know, Mike, he says, just feed and love the sheep. There's no formula there's no strategy. Just feed and love the sheep that God brings you. Each one of them are God's sheep, and God loves them. Jesus died for each one on the cross. And just feed them and love them. Let them be the best fed and the most loved sheep in all of Tehachapi. And he says, and you can't go wrong. That was his advice to me as a young pastor. And so um, it's been an honor uh, to be your pastor. I will continue to consider myself your pastor all of you have my cell phone number. If you don't have my cell phone number, I'll give it to you. It's not a secret. Uh, you could stay in touch with me. Again, I'm going to be around. I'm not leaving. Uh, I'll be here Sunday mornings until February 1st, and, uh, and then we will see how the Lord leads all of us from there.
Just as the Lord is leading at City on a Hill Church, the Lord is also leading at Calvary Chapel, Visalia. We join Visalia now as Senior Pastor Bob Grenier announces to their congregation that Pastor Mike is being called to their church. After Pastor Mike Buford uh, shared with me that he was going to be retiring, uh, I thought, my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, he's been my assistant for all these years, and he won't be there. So um, I spent several weeks in the hospital over that. <laughs> no, but it, you can imagine. And so uh, then I thought, well, you know what? The Lord is faithful. God is faithful. He's going to depend. It's his church, not mine. And uh, so I was talking to Pastor Mike Clark one night, just we were on the phone often, and just kind of as an idea, I just said, hey, if you ever think about coming up here and joining our staff? He said, no. Then I said, uh, well, you know, he said, but I'll I'll think about it and I'll pray about it, which is sometimes kind of a way to just say no, but you kind of make it sound like, oh, I'll it. So then about four or five days later, he texted me back. He said, well, I am praying about it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I called one of our board members to say, hey, I just want to let you know what I think I've got a ball rolling here that uh, nobody knows about except me. And that board member, Greg Dowd, said, I have actually been thinking about him for this position. And I said, really? He said, yep. I learned this morning that one of our elders, Michael Lynn, sitting here in the front row, he actually knew about Pastor Mike's uh, departure or his retirement. Um, and from that time on, Mike Lynn, first time I heard about it today from him, he's been praying specifically that the Lord would bring Pastor Mike Clark here. I said, well, why would you have been praying for him? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people you could pray for. Why were you praying for him? He said, well, I knew him from his radio ministry and he had been here before and he was just on my heart. So he'd been praying that the Lord would. So that's pretty wonderful, isn't it? That is really wonderful. So then Pastor Mike Clark, we met with a couple of our board members, and then we met as an entire board with some of our past, past, uh, pastoral staff. And that night I was uh, called him on the phone after he got back home. And he said, one thing, Pastor Bob, he said, I know the board's going to make a decision. And he said, I need to let you know something. I thought, uh-oh. And he said, I, I will not come there. I don't want to come there unless the board makes a unanimous decision. And I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, why would that be? Because our board does not have to vote. We don't have to have unanimity. We actually do almost all the time. In fact, there's only been maybe one or one time we had this problem and we said, well, we'll just wait on the Lord. And he fixed the problem without us making a decision. We're very kind of calm most of the time. Um, I said, well, why would you want a unanimous decision? He said, well, what if one or two of the board members didn't want this? He said it could create some awkwardness among the board. It could create a little possibly some division. And I said, well, you know, I didn't have never thought of that. I said, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And uh, so then I uh, said, well, we'll have to wait. And we prayed for a couple of weeks or whatever it was. And the board voted unanimously to ask him to come here. He also said to me, because he didn't ask to come here, I asked him to come here. He wasn't looking for it to go somewhere. He said, Pastor Bob, I want you to know something else. And I thought, there's always something else. What is it now? You know? And he said, this is good, though. The other was good as well. He said, I want you to know that, and he said, I mean this. And he's told me this about four times. He said, I would not go anywhere else to join a staff except Calvary Chapel Visalia. He said, if Greg Laurie asked me to go on his staff or somebody, you know, that we might know, like he said, I'm not interested at all. He said, I'll just stay right here. He said, if the Lord opens this door, wonderful. 
I'm, you know, I'm coming. So, um, I think that's about it. I think that's the most of the little other little blessings that uh, have come about. So, um, pretty wonderful, isn't it? Pretty wonderful. And you know, we have such a wonderful group of servants in this body. Uh, we have a wonderful group of elders, and we also have a wonderful board uh, of men that are uh, have the responsibility uh, helping to guide the flock here, and, and they are very, very appreciated. And as you would know, grow as you grow older, you learn that you wished you had learned a lot of things earlier in your life. And as I've grown older, I've realized that I wish I had learned to appreciate other people as much as I appreciate them now, like our board. I mean, I've not depreciated them. Well, yes, I have. Let me just say it. No, no. Uh, it's not that. It's, it's understanding that there's safety in the multitude of counsel. It's kind of like when I would share with my wife, we used to walk a lot in the mornings, and when I'd get these ideas, and I'd say, honey, I, I have this idea, and she'd say, yes. Right away I knew this is going to get shot down. So I said, well, I was wondering if I could share it with you and maybe get your input. She said, yeah. Well, then she telling me why it wasn't a good idea. And so now I went from sharing the idea with her to trying to convince her that it was a good idea. I was asking for her input, but I'm now having to tell her why it's a good idea. That was just yesterday. No, uh, we've been married 44 years, I think, is what we've been married. Um, so it's, it's so wonderful to grow in love and, and appreciation with the body of Christ. And... Uh, you guys should be very happy and proud and thankful to God for the leadership group that he's established here. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coahpodcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.